Welcome to Unity of Tucson. Who you really are is an extension of the power that created this whole universe. That's who you are. Good one, huh? I'm going to say it again, because I really want you to remember this one. Who you really are is an extension of the power that created this whole universe. That's who you are. So who said that? I'm going to tell you later. <laughs> I started thinking somebody's going to ask me, who said it? I do plan on telling you who said that later. Today's talk, today's topic, today's idea is called the field. The field. And the field for me is uh, representative of many different things. One of the main things that it represents for me is the field of infinite possibility, the field of quantum intelligence, the field that is powerful, infinite love. And as we incorporate our understanding that that is who we really are, that we are an extension of that power. We are the expression of that power. The whole of us is that power. Then we quickly move from the intellect into the heart space. I came into this philosophy because it was very intellectual. I know you've heard me say that before. There's a very intellectual part of this philosophy. I can sit down and I can learn from a book how to make my life better. And people laugh because they know you can't just learn it from the book. You have to embody the principles to truly be on the path of making your life better. And part of that for me is opening up to the understanding that we do live in a field of quantum intelligence. That's another way that I personally understand God. The field of quantum intelligence, the field of quantum possibility, the field of potential. And I and each and every one of us are setting forth the expression and expansion of that potential as our lives, as the flow and function and expression of our lives. And so I had to do some time. I had, I had to do some time. <laughs> Thank you for not judging me. <laughs> I will tell you, though, I could look at periods of my life and think, wow, I was really doing time that period of my life. Those times when I was, in, when I was imprisoning myself with erroneous thought. I was doing time in those parts of my life. I chose to do the work. And this, this philosophy, it's work. Nobody ever wants to hear that. It's work. Until when, William? <laughs> until it's not. <laughs> the work, the, 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 the perception of hard work dissipates when we move from the intellect into the embodiment. When we learn how to do that, when we learn to take it deeper into the heart space, to recognize that we call it love, well, where does love reside? Do we perceive in that heart space? And as we embody it more, it leads to the activity, the action of our lives. And we begin to do things differently based on who we are being. A couple weeks ago, before I, was, before I had returned from my sabbatical, I was 
I had gone to Southern California to uh, um, Westlake Village, um, which is close to Ventura County, <laughs> but it's on the far west side of LA County. And uh, I was there for the purpose of guiding new ministerial candidates through their process to become uh, licensed ministers for the first time. And part of that process is we all give, like those of us who are ordained ministers, we give talks, we lead workshops, and then we, they, sit to, they sit each and every person down in front of us in what is called the ministerial panel. Remember that, Sue? <laughs> Remember that, William? Remember that, Felicia? <laughs> and it's a very, I mean, you can get lost in the nerves of that. You can really get lost in the nerves of that. And my, when, when I sit there and I'm interviewing uh, ministerial candidates, I always invite them to remember to take a breath and to recognize that if they speak from the point of view of love, they can actually not answer anything incorrectly. They cannot answer anything incorrectly. And it is... It, really? <laughs> Sherry just said consciousness. So there's a joke... <laughs> All right, so now I have to explain the joke. So there's a joke in the educational world of new thought uh, that if you were required to take a test and you answered every question on the test with the word consciousness, they couldn't mark you wrong. <laughs> and then I always remind my students, if you ever have to take a test with me, don't try it. <laughs> One of the things that came out of that experience of the ministerial intensives, though, um, was somebody got up and they said these words. We are invited to be love, not do love. We are invited to be love, not do love. That's the core of this whole thing to be the infinite expression of love, to recognize that we are swimming in a sea of infinite possibility of love and that the whole of our beingness is that sea, that field, that magnificent infinite. So how do we truly move from intellect to embodiment? Well, it begins for me with that understanding, to recognize every aspect of our being as that God source energy, that infinite love as the quantum field. And to take that to heart and to not be thrown when we see things that seem to contradict that idea. How many of us see things that contradict that idea? You don't have to raise your hand, I promise. It's very easy to look out in the world and see things that contradict that idea. At the core, though, all of it is the God source energy. It is love, whether it is being properly used or misused. And we are not judged in the manner by which we use this power. Yet, we will always experience the outflow, the circumstantial outflow of our use of the power. So while there is no God out there judging us, we will always live the experience based on our use of the power. And so if you are misusing it, you can expect the result to be a challenged life. When I came to a realization that my challenges in life had nothing to do with anybody outside myself, no matter how much I wanted to blame them, 
I stepped into a new way of being. As you know, I come from the tradition of the Centers for Spiritual Living originally. I've subsequently become ordained as a unity minister. Um, and yet, the mystics are the mystics, and so I don't differentiate. Ernest Holmes, who was the founder of the religious science side of things, and if you're new here, it's not meant to be confused with Scientology. I feel like I always have to say that. (laughs) Ernest Holmes offered this late in his life. He was commenting on the work of Thomas Troward, who was a luminary in the New Thought movement, and Thomas Troward said, there's the relative and the absolute. Then There was an idea that they were separate things, but Ernest Holmes offered this. He said, the relative is the absolute at the level of the relative. The relative is the absolute at the level of the relative. And the more we break down the barriers of thinking that they are separate things, the better our lives will become. We have a tendency, I think, sometimes to define ourselves by the limitations of the relative only. Anyone have that going on for themselves? Again, you don't have to raise your hand. (laughs) I think sometimes we spend too much energy looking to the relative rather than looking through the relative to the infinite truth. So embodiment, what does it mean to embody? For me, to embody means that we are engaged in the deepest understanding of that infinite wholeness. That there is nothing that can sway us from that understanding. When we know who we are at the core, we cannot help but live from that perspective in every activity of our lives. That's why, the, uh, it's, it's why for me, I think the most important statement in our mission is not love only, although that's important. It's not forgive everything, although that's important. It is remember who you are. Because here's the thing, if you remember who you are, if you master remembering who you are, if you master spiritual understanding, the other two parts come naturally. There is nothing to forgive if you understand and master spiritual understanding. You recognize there is nothing but love if you master spiritual understanding. And mastering spiritual understanding is remembering who you are. Spirituality... The practice of spirituality is there to help us face the human experience, not suppress it. So if there is something that is challenging in your life, one of the worst things that we can do is try to suppress it and say, it doesn't exist. Here's the thing, it exists. Can we just accept that there are things in our lives that don't feel so good that exist? And if we are willing to take that on as an understanding, free of judgment, free of our opinions about why those things exist, we are actually setting ourselves up in a powerful place to do something positive about it. And that positive thing flows forth when we are rooted in that power of understanding the truth of our being. You can be spiritual and challenged. Boy, you didn't think you were going to hear that on a Sunday, did you? (laughs) I'm a very spiritual person, and I am challenged sometimes. You don't have a lot of ministers saying that because they want to stand up and say, I get to not be challenged because I'm spiritual. I'm spiritual, and I am challenged sometimes. 
spiritual practice is the thing that I have adopted in my life that helps me grow through any challenge. Not eliminate the challenge, but grow through it. And here's the good news. The good news is as we grow and learn through the challenge, we find ourselves less challenged. Because there's a compound effect. There is a, there's an exponential effect that happens as you embody that understanding that you are the field. This is how I believe we can collectively work in the direction of eliminating discord in our experience. By growing through the challenge, understanding the truth of our being in that, and allowing any challenge to dissipate. That's how we will grow through and eliminate discordant experiences. We teach in New Thought a complete emancipation from discord as a goal, as entirely possible. How are we doing with that, do you think? <laughs> it's easy to look at the world, it's easy to look out there and consider the relative as primary. But if we begin to look with new eyes, stepping out into that field of infinite possibility, what we will find is that the relative is subject to our consciousness, our thoughts, our beliefs, our feelings. And the more we are willing to do this, the more the circumstances change. So yes, we teach a complete emancipation from discord as a goal, and I believe we are certain to achieve that goal. But I want you to tap into your own inner sense of self right here and right now, and just see what comes up for you in feeling. What, what do you feel about that? Do you believe, this is a rhetorical question because I just want you to reflect on it for a moment, do you believe that it is possible that we collectively, as a species on this planet, can eliminate discord completely? And the reason I ask you to take note of the feeling is because that feeling is an indication of the belief and it may be counteracting your desire. Also back in 2016, I, I, you, I love social media. I don't know if you've ever noticed that about me. I engage in social media. Um, I have a very specific uh, relationship to social media, though, that I don't think everybody has, and that is I choose to only put out things that I, that I find inspiring, and I choose to only ingest things that I find inspiring. And if something doesn't inspire me, I will block it, I will let it go, and I will choose not to engage with it. I wrote this on Facebook... July 8th, 2016. Wow, that was yesterday. <laughs> A few years ago, yeah. I'm tired of seeing Facebook posts that basically suggest, if you don't parrot my opinion, then I will unfriend you. I think this is a dangerous precedent. The more we distance ourselves from others' opinions and ideas, the more we create an individualized echo chamber. This, this echo chamber does nothing but support bias. It is the chamber of the ill-informed and eliminates the possibility of critical thinking. We are boxing ourselves in. In our boxes, we believe that we are right, and the box eliminates the minority voice in 
which may, the, the box eliminates the minority voice, which may contradict our thought. Inside the box, we feel superior. Inside the box, we feel safe. Break down the barriers. Listen rather than speak. And then I quoted the 13th century mystic poet Rumi by saying, by offering this, out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase, each other, doesn't make any sense. This was what was being offered in the 13th century, and I think that we're still on that trajectory, but we haven't reached it yet. And if you have the willingness to be with me on this journey, I think we can start it right here in this room. And if you're watching online, you can start it right where you are because we are a collective wholeness. We are an energy that has an effect on the world by our thoughts, our beliefs, and our feelings. Out beyond the ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I will meet you there. What needs to be healed is what needs to be revealed. We talk about the healing candle as a revelation of the God essence at the core of all circumstances. That's how we teach healing. As we reveal the God essence at the core of all circumstances, the circumstances align themselves with that understanding and all flows forth easily, effortlessly from the highest point of view and the highest perspective and the highest expression. That's what we call healing. Healing is revealing. I believe, personally, I believe that this revelation, this revelation, this revealing is rooted in knowing who we are, our core identity, which I will always remind myself of, first and foremost, being the great equalizer. That when I know who I am, I cannot deny it about anyone else, even if I don't like them. <laughs> that the truth of every single one of us is God essence, even if they're doing something that challenges me. If we have a willingness to meet in the field beyond wrong and right, I think global healing from discord is assured. We cannot turn a blind eye to what is thinking it can be healed without our participation in consciousness, in loving consciousness. Are you ready to take that journey with me? to be authentically you, to express you, to express the core of your beingness loudly, proudly in this world as God, that takes bravery. It takes courage. I think sometimes we shy away from standing firm in our faith because we feel shame or fear in the face of what we perceive to be more mainstream. But remember what RuPaul said. <laughs> the queen of drag. Who you really are is an extension of the power that created this whole universe. That's who you are. Peace and blessings. You are magnificent. (laughs) 
You see now why I didn't want to give it away. <laughs> the homework this week, if you are new to our community, I give homework every week as a way to put the spiritual into practice in our lives. And so I invite you all this week to meet someone in the field, to meet someone in the field beyond right doing and wrong doing. What I mean by that is seek out someone that perhaps you don't see eye to eye with. Uh -huh, people are, oh, what, really? Yeah, seek out someone with whom you do not see eye to eye and be in the practice of listening with the intent of understanding rather than responding. Let that be a practice. Listen with the intent of understanding rather than responding. Hi, this is Reverend Jonathan Zenz, and I want to thank you for listening to the podcast of my Sunday message. Your financial support will ensure that we can continue to offer this as an option for inspiration. You can make your tax-deductible contribution in any amount on our website, unitytucson.com. Once again, thank you for listening. You are magnificent. Namaste.